We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here today. Andy Lister is off. Of course, you can find out more. Go to the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. And of course, this is Planning Your Financial Future. Uh, Don and Andy and Jay from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Morning, morning. Scott. And where's Andy? Yeah, Andy's actually... He had a conference to attend, uh-huh. and he extended a couple of days out at Cape Britain, Cape oh, Britain very area. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, so, so he's out learning something. He was out learning there. Yes, he was. All right. We have a, a national conference that they changed different places. Some were in Toronto, some happened to be in Halifax, and he took that one this year. So tell us about Jay. Yeah, Jay's been, uh, actually, we're celebrating almost our 20th anniversary here. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know you were an item. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's probably a few that don't last 20 years if they were an item. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> Good for you guys. <laughs> That's quite a challenge. Yeah, Jay, Jay and I have worked together now uh, 20 years, and it's uh, he's uh, done a lot of different parts of my business. Um, he's, you know, starting from actually doing plans. That's kind of where he started, then evolving into, into insurance. Right. We've gotten all the exact same degrees uh, with the CFP, the CLU, Elders Planning Council. There's other things we've attended. So we go to a lot of the conferences, in fact, all the conferences together. And so that way, our you know, our clients get consistent education and service from mm-hmm. us so there's a and that's a, how i met jay obviously you being my financial planner and jay uh working with you and and, yep. and now does stuff for us which is how we met and th- this is the network you're trying to establish absolutely we want to cover all the bases that way if i happen to be away somebody else can fill in like uh, most, most recently my son mitchell mm-hmm. has joined two years ago mm-hmm. and he's kind of um getting his way through all the different courses also yeah and uh and just added a recently uh, Gary Hogan to the team. So yeah, it's uh, we're trying to add a consistent service to our clients, so they they have a, you know, all their needs fulfilled, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what if it, they're trying to pay off a house, yeah. trying to save for a house. What should I do about retirement? Um, what about my legacy? There's so many qu- questions we get. They change every day. We don't know what we're going to see. We <laughs> we walk into the office and so and so is on line one, and we say okay. And next thing you know, we're uh, working out should I get a prearranged funeral or. Or a prepaid funeral. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. so many different questions we. And get. we've talked about this before that it's not just what you guys do, but it's what you bring to the table. So when you're doing anything major financial in life, you can go to the team and say, "Hey, what do I do here? Whether it's insurance, whether it's financial planning, whether it's buying a house, a car, mm. whatever. Even should I? Is it okay if I take out ten thousand for a kitchen? Yeah, we have it all part of their plan. Yeah. you know, it's ten. We can actually work it out so that will have no effect on it. Is or, the answer for that the same as if I want to buy a big screen TV? Yeah, um, depends. <laughs> if that's for a man cave, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. So uh, you want to talk about TFSA limits this uh, segment? Yes, it's uh, it's one of those things. Tax free savings accounts, um, they've evolved. You know, they started in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and we started off with this little tiny bit. It was five thousand dollars, and everybody said, "Whoop de woo!" You know, what's five thousand dollars? And they almost didn't even really pay a lot of attention to it. Next thing you know, it was 5000 again and again and again. And four years after, in 2012, now it's 20000 It accumulates. Well, then we bumped it up. It's supposed to be bumped up by inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do they do? They index that limit by inflation and round it up or down to the nearest 500 So right now, as of January of this year, the kind of the inflation was brought it up to 5721 well, that's closer to 5,500 than 6,000. Mm-hmm. So they put it back down to the 5,500 for 2018. Right. So that's the limit for this year. But the question we're getting now is, is aren't we due for an increase? Mm. Shouldn't it go up to $6,000? 
And as it's turned out, if we have 2% inflation this year, which seems to be about what it is, right. that mm. should take it to 58.66, closest we'll make it 6,000. It's really up to the government to actually abide by their own rules. Mm. Okay, we'll see. But right now it appears that it should get to 6,000 for 2019. Mm. It appears, again, don't, don't write that down for sure. And it has not been legislated one way or the other. Right. Um, you're su- definitely safe to put it in the 5,500, mm-hmm. okay, uh, January 1st for when, when that day comes. But uh, we should know closer to January 1st exactly what the limit is. But, you know, there's so much about TFSAs and so much misinformation. First of all, it accumulates. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't use it, you don't lose it. Right. Okay. And, and so, you know, right now, as for 2018, the limit, if you've never done a tax-free savings account, is five, $57,500. Mm-hmm. And that's sizable now. You know, if you, you know, as a married couple, you know, it times up by two. Yeah. And now we're talking about, okay, what should we do with this, you know, significant amount of money? So there's a whole lot of myths about uh, tax-free savings accounts. And they're still, even though they've been around since 2009, so I guess we're on our 10th out of 10 years now um, of having tax-free savings accounts. They seem to still have a lot of questions about them and, and how they should be used. So the first thing is a tax-free savings account is for savings. And I'd say, though, that's myth number one. See, a lot of people still are using the tax-free savings account as a savings account. Yeah. And I had one recently, just in fact, just last week. And they're take, putting it in all year long and they use it for Christmas mm-hmm. gifts. They might earn it's you know it's in a half percent interest yeah. rate you know they might earn, earn twenty bucks of interest which was tax free, which really whoop de doo yeah exactly <laughs> you pay tax on that even if you're in the highest tax bracket ten dollars yeah. yeah exactly. okay exactly <laughs> it saved you yeah so it really doesn't uh, doesn't matter we we've been we've been calling it a tax free investment account for years mm-hmm. and that's more to help people line it up with what we suggest it should be used for. And think of it as a, as a as an investment. You can invest anything into those. Um, very similar to an RSP. Yeah. So it can be Canadian investments. It can be U.S. investments. Talk bonds. about the difference between the two, an RSP and a TFSA. Oh, that's great, Scott. Um, the RSP, when you put money in, it's a tax deduction for that year. Mm-hmm. Okay. In your marginal tax bracket. You'll get your refund. So you get a refund or you won't pay as much tax. Right. It'll save you tax. So if you, if you make, and let's just use a, a number here, say $75,000. That puts you in a 29.65% tax bracket. So call it 30%. And you put 10000 into an RSP, that would save you $3,000 in tax that year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you would actually get, if you didn't, you would get a refund of $3,000 of some sort. Sure. Okay, either you didn't pay that much or you got a refund. A TFSA, you put 10000 in, you don't save anything. Right. All the growth is tax-free. Right. The RSP... Is not tax-free growth. You yeah. don't pay tax on it yeah. as it grows, right. but eventually, yeah. you got to pull that money one's out. One's at the front end, one's at the back. You end. got it. And yeah. so, then you pay tax on on the way out. It's fully taxable then, at your marginal tax rate then. Mm-hmm. So ideally, with an RSP, is you're saving at thirty percent at that time, yeah. and possibly you're only you're making forty-four thousand dollars, and you're only in a twenty percent tax bracket when you pull the money out. Right. So. In that case, you're better off. Mm-hmm. You saved at 30, paid at 20. Mm-hmm. Or if you're very, uh, you know, a high income earner and you're making over 220,000, you're saving at 53.53%. Mm-hmm. When you're a high income earner, I always suggest RSPs. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you're going to save at the highest rate, even if you happen to be in the highest rate down the road. Yeah. 
that's the only risk is you're going to pay it 53.5%. And, yeah. and hopefully, maybe we get a couple different governments by that time and the tax mm-hmm. rates drop. Because yeah. that's, that's Canadian's highest tax rate, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. It hasn't been that high. So Ontario's uh, second highest, uh, but in, as far as Ontario goes, it's extremely high. So the, there's so many other advantages, though, as a senior. And this is where I guess I kind of got a little miffed, if you will, when they called, when they lowered the tax, um, the amount you can contribute to a TFSA, mm-hmm. back when Trudeau got elected, it was it was ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. They it went from fifty five hundred, and they jumped it to ten thousand that year. And then they, under the Liberals, they said, "Well, this is a an investment for the rich." And I thought, "Are you kidding me?" Like I'm looking at most seniors, and this is their only investment. Yeah. They can't contribute yeah, RSPs. That's a good vehicle for that. Oh, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They they can't contribute RSPs because they're not working anymore. Mm-hmm. They finally don't have a mortgage pay- payment co- often. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not paying for child support or child care, rather. Hopefully child support, too. And uh, other expenses. So finally, they can save money. Yeah. And if they sell their house and downsize, they can take those funds and put them into a TFSA. So seniors use tax savings accounts probably more than anybody, and they make a lot of sense for them. Well, then they lowered to 5,500, um, and it's been 5,500 from 2016, 17, and now 18. Hopefully, 2019, back to uh, up to 6,000. Yeah. But th- that really does evolve. So another uh, myth, if you will, is uh, tax-free savings accounts will cause clawback of government benefits. Well, it's actually the opposite. Tax-free savings accounts, you put money into these, and it actually helps your clawback. In fact, if you put money into a tax-free savings account, you've now taken money that used to earn interest outside your tax-free savings account, put it in, it's not earn, earning interest now. Mm-hmm. So let's say you, you and your spouse had $57,500 each. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have a tax-free savings account yet. Maybe you sold a cottage or a house, you came into a windfall, and you put that into a TFSA. That would, that would be $115,000 invested and if you um, invested that at just a few percent, that money now would be tax-free. Mm-hmm. And you'd save yourself about $500 at, say, a 4% rate of return. You'd save yourself $500 in old age security clawback by hiding it in right. a TFSA yeah. rather than earning income. There is no downside to a TFSA. I really haven't figured this out yet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually almost too good to be true. You mm-hmm. can put them in. And when you pull the money out, you don't pay tax on it. Right. And even better from an estate standpoint, not, I wouldn't say even better, but at least as good from an estate plant standpoint, if you have your spouse as a succession holder, so upon your death or her death, it would go to the other spouse, the right. surviving spouse. So you would now double right. the surviving spouse's TFSA. So if let's say the limit was 60,000 each at that time, and you both had 60,000 in there, one passed away. Now the surviving spouse has $120,000 growing tax-free. Yeah. And upon the surviving spouse's d- death, then it would go to the beneficiaries without probate. Mm-hmm. And so let's say that grew to $500,000. Yeah. Well, that would normally attract over 7000 of probate. Yeah. Now that money can go directly to, say you had three kids, mm-hmm. split it up three ways, put three different names there, mm-hmm. rate directly to without <coughs> probate tax and perhaps this is why the government didn't really like having these things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But it is, a, it is a great idea. Now, there is a kind of an adage that people should 
maximize their R- RSP first and then contribute to a TFSA. Mm-hmm. And that one there is tricky. This is really all about, as we kind of alluded to earlier, it's really about tax bracket management. How much are you going to manage those tax brackets if your income is very low? Let's say you're making 40000 a year. You may want to contribute strictly to a TFSA, hoping that maybe down the road your income would be higher. Mm-hmm. Then you can use that TFSA and pull that money out to put it into the, the RSP. RSP yeah. So there's lots of advantages, and, and I'm going to continue with this after the break. All right, we are planning your financial future. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button and listen to old archive shows as well. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're talking about uh, TFSA strategies. Yes, yes. And and just one one last myth, and this is fairly important, is uh, one thing about RSPs that they do have is they are creditor-proof. Mm-hmm. So if you ever get... I guess sued or you had creditors that went after you, they can't attack the um, RRSPs. Really? Because they're a pension asset. Right. The tax-free savings accounts are not protected Mm. from creditors. So that's one important distinction. So if you are in a business that there's potential for um, creditors, um, you do not want to try to say, hide your money in a TFSA. Mm -hmm. An RSP is a safer bet. Mm -hmm. But that that being said, um, there's really, we've come up with three strategies and kind of three stages in life. One strategy for the TFSA is for the your kids that, uh, you know, you've been saving in that RESP, Registered, mm-hmm. registered Education Savings Plan, right. for all these years, mm-hmm. and they've got $50,000, $60,000 built up, and they're going to university. And the problem with those is, first of all, they're fantastic, but the problem is you, if they don't continue to go to post-secondary, you may have to pay back the grant money. Right. Okay. Now you do get to keep all the interest on the grant money mm-hmm. on, in any return, but it's nice to kind of make sure that you get all that fu- those funds out. And TFSAs are only available when you're over the age of 18. Mm-hmm. So you have to be 18. And then you look at you when you turned 18, what the limits were at that age, and then you can find out what you can contribute. Mm-hmm. So if you're 18, for example, in 2015, there's been 10,000 that year and three years at 15. Uh, 5,500. So that'd be Mm 26,500. Okay. And that would be your limit. So you could cash in some of a lot of the um, RESP, move it to the TFSA. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like alphabet soup here, but anyway, (laughs) move it to the tax free savings account. Now you've got the money out. Right. There's no more government. And you talk about that before, taking it out in the first year. Yeah. Try to get in the first year, maybe the second, depending on the tax, how much you've built up. Right. But you don't, it's ideal because then you don't have to always show proof of an enrollment. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, Jay, uh, we see our our staff, they're always looking for those sheets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they're trying to get, oh, got to get the proof of enrollment. You got Western University, whatever it happens to you, McMaster, and you got to find that. Once you're in the tax-free savings account, they just say, okay, we want our money. Right, <laughs> okay, right. and you can get it. So so th- if you leave it in longer, 
as opposed to taking it out and putting it into a TFSA, if something happens that Junior decides to bail, you'll right. lose that grant money. You could, you could lose all the grant money, whatever's left of the grant money. Right. And, uh, and then it has to be sent back to the government. So can you take it all out at once when they start year one? Uh, you can, but yeah. you not in the first semester. Right. The first semester, you can only take $5,000 of right. grant and growth. Right. And after that second semester, you can pull it all out. My question is... You so if you bail in the third, that money is still yours. It's all yours. Right. Yeah, you can put it... And if it doesn't all make... You, you don't have enough TFSA room, yeah. don't let that stop you. Put it into a non-RSP investment, like a non-registered right. investment. Right. Just put it somewhere. Yeah. You can have the exact same investment that you had the RESP in. Mm -hmm. But it just keeps it away so that you make sure you got that money and yeah. it's all yours. And all the grant money, that could be as much as $7,200. Yeah. Okay. Um, number... Second one here is retirement planning. Saving money in a, in a TFSA. Right now, let's say you've got 10 years to retirement and you've got your 57500 and you and your spouse, you put that in, there's $115,000. And then you just start adding 11000 a year for 10 years. Well, if you got it at 1%, which some people, I hate to say, they, they keep it, in a, again, in a savings account type mm -hmm. investment. That would total up to two two 243000 by the time you retired. But if you invested at 5%, it would be worth $332,000. And that's only 10 years difference. Mm -hmm. So in 10 years, you almost got $100,000 more yeah. by investing it rather than a savings area. Mm. You can then look at that as two ways, that money. It can provide you with over $16,000 per year tax-free income at retirement mm. and have no worries about clawback. Or you can pull that money out and use it for you know lump sum purchases like a kitchen or a car or a big holiday. And again, it doesn't affect your taxes because it's all tax-free. Right. And finally, my last uh, kind of strategy here is the multiplier effect. Last week I was meeting with clients and they have three kids and uh, they're thinking about gifting money to their kids early. Mm. I said, great idea. You know, you're getting up there, you've got enough to certainly get you through retirement. That wasn't gonna be an issue. Well, one way to almost teach the kids how to invest is give them enough and put that money in their TFSA. That would teach me. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Have that I, working for I'm you. I'm all in. Yeah, that'd be great. And, you know, you can give us, let's say it's 57500 Give them sixty. Tell them that you can blow 2500 but the other <laughs> yeah. fifty-seven five has to be invested. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We're going to put it into a TFSA. It's in your name. You're going to get the statement so you can watch it invested. But at least you are immersed in how investments work. Yeah. And it kind of gets you in tune rather than all of a sudden waiting to the time you finally get money inherited. And people just are not good with inheritance money. Mm -hmm. They It's like lottery winners. I was about to say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just a big party and it's gone, generally speaking, quite often within five years. Yeah. So in terms of an estate strategy or another way to multiply your TFSA room, use your kids. Mm. So I know, uh, I know one of the biggest risks we've talked about many times on the show is the risk of living too long. Mm -hmm. We call it longevity risk. I know Jay has a few things to say about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a report that came out yesterday. Uh, BMO uh, created a report issued October 2018 and just went through a bunch of different particulars on the biggest risk to retirees and re longevity tends to be the biggest risk uh, outliving their money. Most people, when they come in our office, they're most concerned with, am I going to outlive how much money I have? Yeah. 
Um, and it's different for everyone, and, and that's why we do uh, customized plans for everyone that comes in the office. But people are living longer um, with the advances in medicine, healthcare, uh, nutrition. People are taking care of themselves a lot better yeah. uh, than they have in the past. So overall wellness, people are living longer. Yeah. Um, life expectancy for a woman in, in Canada right now is 83 years old. Uh, for men, it's 79. Um, however, um, a lot of people... Uh, don't understand the fact that when you're a couple, um, yes, life expectancy is 83 for a woman and 79 for a man. But as a couple, um, if you're a 65-year-old couple, the chances of one of of you living till the age of 97 is 25%. Mm. So life expectancy gets a lot longer when there's two of you involved. Yeah. Um, that life expectancy even gets longer up to age 100. 10% um, of all couples that are 65 or older, there's a, there's a 10% chance to live to 100. So yeah, people are wow. getting older. It's bizarre, you know, because wow. I, I've, you know, um, um, my father recently passed. My, my mother is in her 80s. And a lot of that generation is saying, and I've heard them say, we didn't think we'd live this long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, and that's that's the generation that's in their 80s now. So imagine what it's going to be like when. And quite often they're comparing against point. their parents. Yeah. Oh, my dad only lived to 65. Yeah. So you know, if I plan to say 75, I'm good. Yeah, that was a bazillion <laughs> years ago. Yeah. 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 Well, there's health concerns, right? That's people are living longer. There's cures for certain yeah. certain diseases and ailments. Um, also, uh, occupational risks. That's that's definitely reduced over the last couple of years. Yeah, good right? point. A lot, yeah. Less lot, lot less people yeah. working in factories. Yeah. Um, Industrial accidents and yeah. such. Yeah. Agriculture and so. Yeah. Their so paper cuts aren't fatal. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that being said, uh, people are also, also working longer, Yeah. right? So the re normal retirement age people think is 65, but uh, just a short while ago in 2000, the normal retirement age was 60 years old. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, that retirement age now has increased to 64. So we're seeing a trend where um, people are, are working a lot longer. And there's a couple of reasons why people are working a lot longer. Um, supporting their lifestyle. So people get used to a certain lifestyle, making a certain amount of money and don't want to give that up. Mm -hmm. um, the other reason is a lot of kids uh, are coming back yeah. after getting divorced or separated back to the home. So their parents still have to work to help support yeah. uh, the adult children. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I've got I've got buddies that said you know I just hung onto the house six months too long man if I had dumped it six <laughs> months ago I wouldn't have this problem at all they wouldn't condo fit in a, one bedroom condo that's it they wouldn't fit in a condo <laughs> so parents are helping out yeah right yeah. helping out their adult children so they're continuing to work uh, family businesses there's a lot more self-employed people now uh, than there were back back uh, years ago mm -hmm. so running a family business they don't want to give up the 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 reins of the family business so yeah. they're working a lot longer as well. Um, and then there's a lot of people that just haven't planned properly. Um, they haven't put the, the right pieces in place. Yeah. Um, they think the government, the government's going to take care of them with uh, CPP or old age, old age security. Other people also look at the fact that they think that their companies are going to take care of them. And that's, it's, I don't want to say gone the way the dodo bird, but it, it's definitely gone. Uh, there's been a shift from company pensions or government pensions from you having to do it on your own, yeah. saving for your own retirement. So one third of Canadians have government pensions or company pensions right now, mm -hmm. uh, uh, either retired or working. That means there's 23 million Canadians out there right now that don't have pensions, yeah. that need to start saving. Mm. And most people... Um, the many say, you know what, I haven't done it. I'm, I'm like so far along, there's no sense in even doing it. Or is there never a bad time to start? 
Well, there's never a bad time to start. If, you, if you're 55 and you're yeah. deciding that you want to retire at 56 and yeah. start saving, that's, that's a probably little late. That's yeah. a, little late, but yeah. that's, that's a, a great point, Scott, is when people are 55 coming in our office and saying, you know, I want to retire at 65. Well, now that's where that, mm. that retirement age gets stretched out to 65 or yeah. 75, uh, even 80. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot more people working into their, uh, into the retirement years past age 65. Um, the, f- the fact that we do have government programs in place with the CPP and OAS is great. Um, most Canadians think that that's going to be enough to help them, or a lot of Canadians think that's going to yeah. be enough for, to help them. Um, the reality is most Canadians, or average Canadians, make around $51,000 a year. When they hit retirement at age 65, if they're maxing out on their CPP and their OH, old age security, they're getting $20,600 a year, mm. going from $51,000 down to $20,000. That's yeah. a substantial drop. That's yeah. a 40% basing your expenses on 40% of what you were making before. So it's very difficult to run a household if you took a 40% or sorry, a 60% pay cut yeah. the oh. very next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you paid that mortgage off just the day before and yeah. you said, okay. But you're right, there's, you know, a lot of the debt that people are having, it's trying to get their house in order before they're retired. Mm-hmm. And uh, otherwise, they're thinking, okay, life is great. It's almost like this euphoria, I'm going to retire. Yeah. It's like a cool thing. I, you know, my friends are retired, and, but then when they actually do, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, I'm, I'm making less money. Well, and again, it was only 10, 20 years ago, uh, back in the days people were talking Freedom 55, and, <laughs> you know, I'm going to retire early. I mean... Now what happens if you live to 100? I mean, many people are retired longer than they ever worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, the math just doesn't work there. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like uh, Freedom 70 is now the yeah. new 55. Yeah. Right? And people yeah. are way healthier. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, Jay, the, this the healthcare is yeah. ca- keeping people. I think just the, what they're eating, the yeah. exercise, et cetera, it's, sure. it's out in the forefront. We're not having the food in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the best food going, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, had we kept eating that all the way through, yeah. and, I, and I can only imagine... The ones that had fried food and say, you know, Liverpool, et cetera, where my in-laws are from. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't, there wasn't much fruit and vegetables in their diet back then either. No, no. So yeah, for longevity, it's, it's a key issue right now. You know, one of the things that you're talking about with the TFSAs is myths. And one of the myths about retirement or when, when you hit retirement is that you're going to start spending less money mm-hmm. in retirement. Well, that's true if you don't have a mortgage. Like Don said, the day you retire, you pay off your mortgage and now you don't have that expense of a mortgage payment. But the reality is that most Canadians have expenses that continue on throughout yeah. retirement. It, all of a sudden- and when different you're ret- expenses they didn't mm-hmm. realize. Yeah. Well, they may save, let's say they don't, they don't spend as much on travel to work, mm-hmm. but now they spend more on travel. Yeah, yeah. Right? Every, every day is a Saturday now. Yeah. Yeah, every day is a weekend. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that a, a lot of people don't, don't realize the fact that don't realize the fact that when it comes to retirement, things don't really change in terms of expenses mm-hmm. and they need the, the same amount they were living off of when they were working. Especially if you want to whoop it up and have a good time. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's all, that's what retirement's yeah. for, right? And, yeah. and there's stages of retirement too. Like it's a, people looked at this retirement as okay and retire. Well, there's so many stages to retirement. In particular, when you first retire, we call that the honeymoon stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the stage they want to do all the things they've been kind of putting off and particularly travel yeah. um, is, is part of that stage. And that stage might last five years yeah. and where you're just having a great time and it is not a cheap time. Mm-hmm. It's actually might be the most expensive time of retirement. The other t- end of the spectrum is perhaps a nursing home mm-hmm. care at the very yeah. end, yeah. but there's lots of stages in between and uh, you know, y- you got to account for that. And that's, I know what, you know, you know, Jay and I always do when we're looking at expenses, when we do what's called a, a PFP, a personal financial plan, we work through what's going to be your expenses in retirement and that's adjusted yearly. So we want to know, 
it's it's as, as you mentioned, Jay. It's it's tailor made to you. So if you're taking a big trip first year, it's gonna be a roll round cruise, yeah. and it's gonna cost you twenty five grand the first year in travel. Mm. That's right in the plan. Yeah, it's not like averaging it out. No, no, you can't average it out. You did it all in the first year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, it's it's all part of the plan. You know, talking about averages, just a, a good segue into how people used to anticipate, you know, just in the 90s, people were using 12% as a rate of return, an average rate of return on their investments. Yeah. And we were we were using that as advisors because um, that was the norm. And then the 2000s came along and we reduced it down to 8%. And now we're in 2018 and we're using 5 and 6% as rate mm-hmm. of return. So what's happened is increased tax rates um, affect how a portfolio will, will return. Low interest rates, which is we're in an environment now with low interest rates. So it's hard to get those returns up at 12%. Yeah. You know, the GIC rates that uh, used to be at 17% don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to get those rates returned. So we really have to focus in on a plan, look at what we're using as rates of return, um, look at what you're using as a rate of inflation to, to really assess what your, what your end result's going to be. Um, when we're doing plans for people, Often they'll say, well, how much can I take out of, out of my retirement savings on a yearly basis without it running out? And we use a, a rate of about 4.5% is what we look at and say, if you, if you pull up 4.5% based on uh, longevity of 30 years um, with inflation at 3%, return rates of 5%, that 4.5% redemption rate should last you throughout your retirement years and not run out of money. Mm-hmm. Don mentioned the fact that, you know, when, when you're looking at um, the future expenses, so uh, other things that could come up are healthcare costs. So that's based on that 4.5% that we're using is based on steady uh, inf- inflation increases. That's not extraordinary expenses. So when it comes to healthcare, things like that, we're looking at, we're looking at ex- extensive costs. Um, we have a client of ours that uh, just went into a home a couple years ago and they, were, um, they, weren't a, they weren't expecting to go into a home, obviously. And when they went into the home, it was about $6,000 a month mm. for the costs. Um, luckily, they had enough funds to, to take care of most of that. Um, but as they're in the home, the, the costs got more uh, right. extensive as well. So if they need uh, extra care, if they want to have a bath every day, mm-hmm. if they want physiotherapy, mm-hmm. if they want speech therapy, if they want a special bed, if they want a special wheelchair. So all of those are additional costs right. that people don't really account for yeah. in, in, into retirement. So. Um, yeah. I'll carry on with that in the next bit. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. As well, check out the website andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button and listen to old archive shows as well. We're talking about longevity risk here and your money lasting as long as you do. Or longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were talking just before the break uh, about uh, unexpected healthcare costs. Um, obviously, everyone's aware that, that that's an issue. Uh, other things that come up for a lot of clients when they're when they're looking to to save for retirement, um, they want to give money to, to their children, mm-hmm. and looking for the best way to do that. Um, Don briefly touched on moving money into their tax-free savings accounts, which is a great strategy. Um, I often find that clients. Um, are fearful about giving money to children at the risk of separation. 
Yeah. You, you bring it into your matrimonial home and now it becomes part of the net family assets. Mm. So there's, there's definitely uh, risks involved with that. So making the money last, a lot of people will hold on to their money before they give it to their children. Um, and it kind of the opposite of what Don was saying. But the reason is because they're not sure what those healthcare costs are, or the future costs are going to be. Yeah. Um, when you're running two households, so I'll give you an example, when you're, if, if uh, w- your spouse goes into a home and you still got the, the matrimonial home, so now you're running two households, yeah. all the costs of both households. So that $6,000 I mentioned about the healthcare costs is one element, but you still got all the expenses from your, your matrimonial home that you still got to run. Yeah. Um, and then visits back and forth to the hospital or, you know, you don't have time to be taking care of your property. So now you've got to hire someone to take care right. of the property. So there's, there's so many more costs that come with, uh, with elderly, elderly clients. One other thing that um, we look at when we're when we're structuring uh, retirement savings for people is one of the biggest things that happened to, to a portfolio is uh, market risks, and we're seeing market risks right now with uh, a ten percent drop in the TSX over the last year. And uh, to cannibal a, a, a portfolio or to really uh, to, to drop a portfolio is to start pulling money out or large sums of money out when the market's down. Mm-hmm. So giving money to children. Uh, uh, having unexpected costs where where you're you're using money to put towards uh, out of or take it out of your portfolio can really hurt a portfolio. Drawing it down when there's when the market's down is really a, a strategy that we try to avoid in a down market. It's very hard to time it when you're in, on a fixed income, but we look at it and say, you know, if you've got something where there's a, a nest egg that you saved into a, a bank account or a TFSA, that's when you you look at drawing from from those mm-hmm. types of investments if they're not in, in the equity market. Yeah, we don't have to go that far back to like 2008 and nine when the market was down. Again, it was worse since the 1930s. Yeah, where it was down 25 percent or more. And when clients were talk about what should we do, we, we totally changed where we're taking the money from on a monthly basis, so we wouldn't draw down on their equities that were down. Mm-hmm. Started using fixed income, and we delayed big things such as like a yeah. house or as much as we could. Yeah. And it, it's definitely the strategy you want because otherwise you get the risk of selling when it's down. Yeah. And that's the big, again, from a longevity standpoint, as Jay's saying, that could really hurt the nest egg because you got a lot less money to work for you when the market goes back up. Yeah. Well, we're finding a lot of our, our clients too are building up little nest eggs in their bank accounts. And it, with, with the maximums that are, are imposed by the government to take money out of your RRSPs at a certain age, um, they're building up more than they need and they're building up a, a good nest egg inside their bank account. So once they have that built up, that's a, that's a great tool that they, they should be sharing with their advisor that they've got this money in their bank account so mm-hmm. that when the market does drop like it has in the last little while, maybe it's time to put those automatic or systematic withdrawals from their RRSPs on hold yeah. and start using the money that's in mm-hmm. their bank account. Yeah, good uh, point. And, and we're finding that more and more that people are, are, are able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um. so we still have a little bit of time left. So again, with longevity risk, there's a lot more things. Um, what we're talking about there is really called sequence of return risk. Mm-hmm. And you're taking money out at wrong time. So most of the financial plans out there, they simply have a constant rate of return. We're going to use 5% as an example, and they always do 5%. So an example of that is they look at an average, and let's say you had uh, three years, and the return on the first year was 5%, the next was minus 15, and the next was 25. Mm-hmm. And you needed to take out 5% out per year. And you said, no problem, this is going to work out great. And you'll last, and, you, and again, if you did a straight line, your money would last until 
age 89. Mm -hmm. So I guess you're taking out actually 500 a month on a 100,000 portfolio, which is 6%. So if you started at 65, your money lasts till 89, no problem. Um, Your life expectancy wasn't going to be past 89, you assume, so everything's good. But that's on a straight line. When you, if you, if you look at the volatility of the markets, and let's say it, it depends. If your order was 5% the first year, minus 15 the next year, then 25, versus 5% the first year, 25% the next year, then minus 15. Hmm. Shouldn't make a difference, right? Because it's the same return. Add those three together, divide by three, it's a 5% return. Yeah. And this is the risk of using averages. Funny thing is, if you look at the sequence of returns of 5% the first year, minus 15 the next, and then 25% the following year, your money actually runs out at age 83, hmm. not 89. Yeah. Just because the second year, as Jay was just mentioning, you have a, a bad year and you're pulling money out of your investments during right. that bad year. Right. So it's only just gotten going and you're pulling money out. Now, if it happened to do the opposite way, where it goes 5% the first year, 25% the next year, and minus 15 the third year, well, you had that really big year, mm-hmm. so and you only took out your 6%, so you're able to recoup a bit. Right. And even though you just kept repeating those three returns over and over and over again, you wouldn't run out of money until age 87. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting enough, both run out of money quicker than the straight line of getting 5% every single year. So volatility of your investments do play a role in when you will run out of money. And this is extremely important. We do what's called a Monte Carlo analysis. I know we've mentioned it before. And we add that risk of sequence of return. And we do a thousand examples or, or um, basically the trials, a thousand right. trials of every scenario of what the market could do. And it gives you the probability of success that you will not run out of money. We are planning your financial future. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from IG Private Wealth Management. This is Planning Your Financial Future. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're talking about employee benefit programs and uh, maxing out on these. Yeah, you really have to understand these things. You know, you, you join a company and employers put a lot of time and effort and money into creating this uh, benefit program so that you stick around, okay? Mm-hmm. That's really why they want to do it. They do want to help the, the employees too, but they don't, you know, they are a bit of a golden handcuff. Mm-hmm. They want to say, okay, well, they got great benefits. I'm not going to really leave this. It, it feels right. good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to pay for a whole lot of, even my chiropractor's covered as an example, yeah. whatever it happens to be. So the very first thing I would recommend you do is read them, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Get this booklet that they've spent tons of money, part of your compensation is this employee benefit. Mm -hmm. So find out what you have. You may think, oh, you know, I I really, I I don't think massage therapy is covered. Well, read the book. Yeah. And you'll find out, oh, wow, I get six treatments a year. Yeah. And this is covered. Yeah. And some people actually go for treatment and not actually submit them because they didn't know it was covered. Yeah. And let's say it's $100 or something each time and Mm -hmm. they didn't, and it wasn't covered. So it would have been covered had they sent it in. So it, it is important to know what you have. Um, now, having said that, it is November, so I'm have a whole. There's going to be this lineup of people going to the physiotherapist to mm. <laughs> get a massage treatment or something lining sure. up. So I just help that industry. But anyway, 
it is important to find out what you have. Now, the other part, as Jay was just talking about, is how few people have pension plans now. Yeah. And less than a third of the population, working population, have uh, benefit um, d- um, pension plans. And there really is two types. So we do have to, first of all, look after yourself. And, y- you know, gone are the days that mother and father company is going to look after you and you say, yeah. oh, I, I put in my, you know, 35 years, here's my watch and I get my pension. Mm-hmm. And I live 10 more years and I usually don't live much past that. That's kind of the old way. Yeah. The new way is people are switching jobs all yeah. over the place. Mm-hmm. They got to know what they have. There's not many people with DB plans, defined benefit plans. Those are par- fairly much limited to government jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, teachers and police officers, et cetera, do have defined benefit plans. So what that is, is you know that if you, it's a calculation. Wow. So many years of work times your average five years working, uh, sorry, your average five years pay, your best average five years, mm-hmm. and you multiply it out in this factor and this is what you're gonna get per month. Right. Some are indexed, some aren't, depending on who you work for. There is some in the private sector also, but there is less of those mm-hmm. because the risk is with the company. Yeah not with yourself. So they are promising to pay you so much per month for the rest of your life. The one that is really taken over as we've talked about before are defined contribution plans where you put in whatever percent and they will match it or they'll go 50 cents on the dollar. You know, whatever they match, make sure you take advantage of those. It is part of your compensation. So if you say you make 50,000 a year and you can put in 4%, which is 2,000, and 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 your company will put half of that in. That'll be another thousand. Yeah. That's a thousand of your free money that they're going to give return, you. return, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. I know Jay and I work with um, group benefits. How many don't maximize the plan? Mm-hmm. We actually tell them, do not invest with us. Mm-hmm. Max that out. We cannot guarantee you a 50% rate return. Yeah, yeah. Because if you put in that dollar, they're matching 50 cents on the dollar. That's guaranteed money. Yeah. And so we want people to make sure that they have a good retirement. So definitely max out on the defined contribution plan. On that note, there's also um, share ownership plans quite often where you put in so many dollars and the the company will match in their own shares, whether it's Chorus in your case or Investors Group in our case. So the the risk with those is that you can actually accumulate too much money in one stock. Mm -hmm. And so we've used that as, as as a cash flow. Put the money in, definitely get the benefit, but when there's a chance to pull the money out, look at pulling the money out and diversifying those funds. It's already, call it bad enough that you're working there, your paycheck's based on being there, but now your retirement is based on the stock. Yeah, That's a little Enron, people yeah. in Enron. I don't know if anybody watched that movie way back, I can't remember the name of it, but husband and wife both worked for Enron, both put their 100% of their group benefits in the Enron stock, mm-hmm. which is going through the roof until it collapsed. That often, is risky. Often what we'll say to clients is, you know, if you didn't work for the company, would you be investing in this stock? Yeah, good point. Right. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. you throw this money under the table, here's your life savings, you're yeah. going to buy all that one stock. Yeah. And that makes no sense. So that's a, 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 a it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. And I definitely recommend it again, but take advantage of it. Because usually it's the stock's not going to drop by the amount they're going to give you. Mm-hmm. So if they're giving you 50 cents on the dollar, the stock would have to drop by 50%. Mm-hmm. Unlikely. It does happen. But I have had people even use the stock to help their cash flow. So when the kids are young, they would use their line of credit to pay for it. And then when the vesting period of their stock program came up every year, they would cash in the stock to pay off the line of credit. Sure. Free money. Mm -hmm. Anytime you can get free money from them, go for it. So the next one would be a group RSP, 
which is again the often is a matching program, not as you know, not as disciplined perhaps as a defined contribution plan, but again, any help from your company is important. And so all I look at is go through these benefits. You know, go through. I know Scott, and we, we actually put this as part of your financial plan. Mm-hmm. We, in, in fact, they give you a ton of choices of where can you invest this, these funds. And we look at this and we align them with the same things that we do when we sit down with our clients. What's your risk tolerance? How many years to retirement? Um, what, do you, what would you feel comfortable with? What are you already doing with us? Mm-hmm. And we dovetail your company plan in with our plan to make sure that it fits properly. Yeah. Plus, sometimes there's always this, there's a, a nice nugget, a little gold nugget every so often that they have a certain investment that has done extremely well and say, wow, that's great that that's in your plan. We often know about that and say, make sure you do that one and we'll make sure that the rest of your plan takes that into account. Mm-hmm. So again, we work hand in hand, often help the clients with their group plans and we also do group plans ourselves. okay? But to work the group plans with your overall personal financial plan to make sure we're on track. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question as well through the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Thanks Scott. so much, Scott.